Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 2, Episode 2. It's been said that the pen is mightier than the sword. I'm not sure where the keyboard falls on that continuum. Is it mightier than the pen? Slightly less mighty than the pen, but maybe more so than the pencil? And where does paper fall in that equation? Seems to me that without paper, the pen is somewhat less mighty than the sword. The sword might still be mightier than paper, because after all, you could use it as a letter opener. And you probably never thought of that, and probably that's for the best. Let's move on. In your own leadership experience, how often have you found yourself looking for life's keyboard shortcuts? Yep, we've all been there, at least enough to know that that's not how things work. But we do try, don't we? We want our leadership circumstances to comply with a set of command shortcuts that will help us to get leadership right. So, today I want to talk about something that I call keyboard leadership. We all know those leaders who use this approach, and I want to encourage you to avoid this practice at all costs. Think about it. We try to hit the minimize and make our problem disappear. And then some of us hit maximize, where you can't see anything but what's going on. And, you know, when you get really into a mess, there's always the old reliable undo button, Control-Z. Usually we find ourselves desperately scrambling to hit the real-life equivalent of Control-Z and back up just a little bit. Oh, how many times I have wanted that. You know, when I was in fourth grade, I asked if it would be possible for me to start school over because I felt like I'd missed a lot. I hadn't lived up to my potential. Well, much to my disappointment, that option was not available to me or to anyone else for that matter. Hey, don't judge me. I'm a firstborn and I was wired up that way. But I would like a few do-overs in my life. Okay, so if I can't have a do-over, can I at least click into the contact-sensitive help? Help me know what to do in this situation. Carp. That's not available either. Now, obviously, I'm being facetious. But there is such a thing as keyboard leadership, and it's not a good thing. I refer to this as Control-Alt-Delete supervision. Say you have a staff, and you really need each member to step up and live up to your expectations. The best tool available to you is to manage the situation closely. And all seems to be going well, except for that one member of the team. He's not getting it. And yes, it's probably a he, since men tend to have a higher propensity for workplace ineptitude than women. I'm not trying to be obnoxious, but there are a lot of technical reasons for this. So anyway, he's just not getting it. He's not getting the job done. He's not working with the team. He's missing deadlines. It is not good. And this, my digital compadres, is where the supervisor can suddenly move into control mode. Instead of looking for the core reason for the difficulty, that's hard work, the supervisor takes a more directive approach and seeks to control the employee. Instead of focusing on development, control mode focuses on do this, do this, do this, think about it this way. 
Typically, this is worse than micromanagement because control mode is much more, well, it's more mechanical and much more controlling. I guess that's obvious from what we call it. See, there are few people who really thrive under this kind of supervision. Rarely do people want to be controlled. Either way, this approach can be disheartening for the follower and exhausting for the supervisor. So when this strategy fails, uh, it becomes the time to move from control to alt. In other words, those you can't control, you seek to alter. This is a common supervisory practice that when we get frustrated, we do all we can to change the people we supervise, to seek to alter them. Usually, supervisors kid themselves into thinking this is a mentorship process. They will tell you they're simply trying to help the employee to meet expectations. And they're lying. They may not be aware of it, but they're lying. What's actually happening is the supervisor is trying to change the employee so that they are, well, not so much like themselves. This becomes a not-too-subtle reshaping process where the employee is gradually turned into the sort of person that the supervisor deems as ideal. This does not mean that the supervisor is trying to re replicate themselves. Nothing is more annoying to us than our own faults when they show up in others. The supervisor is trying to cre create kind of a Pygmalion ideal that he or she can work with and will meet all of the unspoken expectations of the job. As you can imagine, this does not always work because people don't want to be changed. The same principle applies in married life. As an old now-with-Jesus pastor friend once put it, marriage is an institution, but it's not a reform school. The same applies in the workplace. People don't come to work to have themselves pushed into a mold and reshaped every day. This causes no end of frustration for supervisors. And so, if controlling hasn't worked and altering doesn't work, there's only one place to go. Delete. In other words... The termination is coming. Usually, in this situation, the employee is ready to go because the past few months have been full of such stress and such discouragement. Frequently, they will resign rather than face termination. It allows them to keep whatever shred of dignity remains after the supervisor has burned them out. It allows the supervisor to feel noble about the whole stinking process, and it allows the employee to rest in the assurance that the job fit simply wasn't right. Everyone leaves the situation not happy, but not unhappy. And if you've ever been there, you know exactly what I mean. This can easily become a cultural thing in organizations. I know of one supervisor who experienced about 150% turnover in a single year. Many years ago, I worked for a company that experienced mathematically a 100% turnover rate over the course of a year. I happen to be part of a relatively stable department, which means there were some departments that turned over their entire teams two or three times. How do you run an organization with numbers like that? Well, the short answer is, you can't. And that's what happens. When supervisors resort to control-alt-delete style, employees hit escape, escape, escape. People bail on bad supervisors. The research on this is very clear. People don't quit jobs. They quit bosses. 
It's hard to keep good people, but unless you make an effort to plug those leaks and do something about keyboard supervisors, your organization is going to continue to run into retention problems. You'll notice that I have avoided the use of the word leadership in, in describing control-alt-delete supervisors. That's intentional because that's not leadership. Leadership inspires, encourages, it motivates, and that's about as far from this model as one can get. You know, actually, that's a pretty good segue to what lies ahead. I spent a lot of time in Season 1 pounding the idea that leadership is mostly about character. It's who we are. And if we get that right, a lot of other things fall into place. Yeah, that's true, but there's more to it than that. There are clearly things that leaders need to be able to do in order to really be leading. We'll discuss some of those pieces in a multi-part series that begins with episode three of season two. Yes, this episode is shorter than usual, but we'll just leave it at that. I don't see any particular virtue in uh, filling in time when I've said what needed to be said. So if you have questions related to the subject matter on Great Ridge Station, the best way to reach me is to tweet me at LJ Helgerson on Twitter or use the hashtag GRS questions, one word. As always, keep encouraging your friends and colleagues to subscribe. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.